It's a great day. We have an everlasting God who will never, never, ever fail. Amen? That's something that, that we should be so excited about, so grateful for, because there are all sorts of things. When you look around in society and what's going on, there are all sorts of things that are failing people, mankind, but God will not. So we can have a peace, a security in the midst of all the craziness that's going on. Amen? Well, if you would just turn and, and wave to somebody, and you can be seated. Aren't you grateful for the praise and worship? Yeah. Grateful for Shelby, grateful for Gabe, and uh, just grateful that you're here today. Thank you for being here today. Uh, today we're going to uh, receive communion, so hopefully you have your, your elements. Um, I just want to share something with you before we go to communion, and that is that um, I, for years and years and years, uh, Debbie and I lived in California. I worked in the oil business and uh, in the oil fields, and occasionally, it was interesting that Jeremy said what he did, living in California, the, the, the seasons never change, and that was very true, and we didn't realize it until we came back east. When we came back east and, and visited mom and dad here in Rome, we realized how green it was here, and uh, as, as we would go back to California, one of the things that would happen is uh, to get to California, you fly over the desert. And I would always notice in the desert there were these little patches of green. Just little, little, and obviously they were little because we were way up in the airplane, but little patches of green. And they were scattered throughout the desert. You know, the desert is a pretty harsh, inhospitable area. And yet there were these little, little pieces of life. And uh, my job took me into the desert. Uh, we were doing some things in uh, Los Alamos and, and Nevada and places like that. And as we drove by, I found out that a lot of those little green places were farms. They were farms stuck out in the middle of this vast, harsh, inhospitable environment. And, and I always wondered, how, how are these farms able to make it when everything else around it almost looked dead with no, no life at all? And what I found out was that these farmers had made the determination that they would drill down to a, a layer in the earth that was full of water. But the water didn't come from around there. The water came from the mountains miles and miles and miles and miles away from where they were. And once they punctured that, that uh, zone, the water began to freely and fully flow. It was an aquifer. And so no matter what the conditions were surrounding them, because they were tapped into something deep, their, their provision was always sustained. Their environment didn't affect them because of what they had tapped into. Today, uh, we're receiving communion. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, this is very familiar. Uh, these are Jesus or Paul's words. He said, and when he had given thanks, speaking about Jesus, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink 
in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, I, I think it's a little odd sometimes when I hear uh, you proclaim the Lord's death. Now, how many deaths are we, we you know, celebrating? I, I don't know any death I've celebrated except for the Lord's because of what it did for me, what it does for us. We proclaim the death of the Lord. He, he was beaten. He took on all sin. But did he stay under the pressure and the curse of sin? No. What happened? On the third day he rose, glorious and victorious. And so when we look at his death, we are appreciative. We proclaim that he died for our sin. He became poor that we might become rich. He took on the sin of the world that we would be forgiven. And yet it didn't stay there. It wasn't that just he was put away, but he rose victorious and glorious over hell, death, and the grave. And it says his death until he comes. Jesus is coming again. His return is closer than it's ever been. Now, whether it's this week, and it could be, this month, this year, in five years, ten years, it doesn't matter. We should live every day as if he were arriving today. Amen? And so today, um, we do this in remembrance of him. But it's not just his death. His death accomplished so much, but... When we think about him, Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, made this declaration. And I want you to look at it with me. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them or you rich and satisfying life. How many of you know that in a different translation? You've, you've read that in a different translation. And, and it says, give you life and life more abundant. Another translation says overflowing. And as I told you today, when we flew over the desert, we would see these spots that were like oasis in the midst of the harshness. And it wasn't because they were dependent on their environment, what was surrounding them, what they were in the midst of. Their existence was what it was because they had dug down deep and got to a level that water flowed. Jesus wants us to dig down deep into him so that life will flow. The life of God is available to you today, not just for heaven, but in abundance for healing, for prosperity, for peace, for joy, to have hope full. And so today as we, we receive the, the communion elements, Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' body was broken. He, he received stripes on his back. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were healed. Today, Although you're taking something that represents the body, by faith take it and believe. If you need healing, if you need restoration of peace, if, if you need your hope restored, your joy restored, as you take this, believe you receive at the moment you take it and then see what only God can do. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this bread right now. We thank you that it represents our Lord Jesus Christ's body. And, and today as we take it, we take it in remembrance of him, that, that his body was broken, that we might be made whole. That his peace and, and joy was in you and you alone. And today our peace and our joy is in you. And so we receive this right now. We expect healing. We expect wholeness. We thank you, Father, for this. We thank you, Lord, for this in Jesus' name. Go ahead. Now, as you peel back that second seal, reveals the cup. And we see that, that in, in what Paul received from the Lord, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. The new covenant. Uh, we have this new covenant. It is a covenant of abundant life. It is a covenant of, of provision, protection, of peace. And again, today, as we receive this, we want to be believing. We don't want to just go through actions and, and do it out of tradition. Everything we do, the Bible says we need to do by faith. We walk by faith. And so today, as we receive this cup, we receive everything that is embodied in the new covenant. And, and you can say it this way. Abundant life, abundant life here and abundant life for eternity. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that this cup represents. That today we receive all the benefits, all the blessings, all that the new covenant provides for us. Father, we can't even begin to comprehend. But, Father, that which we are aware of by faith, we receive it in full power and provision in our lives as we take this cup today. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for the victory that is in the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead. Again, when you uh, leave today, please take your cup with you and throw it in the receptacle where uh, it's provided on your way out. God is a good God. And God wants you. God wants everyone to experience this abundant life and experience all that he's provided. But how many of you know that none of us are living in the fullness of what God has provided and prepared for us? Is that not true? Anybody have any room for more joy? <laughs> more peace? Right. We all do. And uh, that's, that's obvious. But we know that there's a war going on. God's given us everything, the Bible says, that pertains to life and godliness. So if he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, what's left out? Nothing. But how come we're experiencing not all that he's given us? Well, because just like we saw in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to what? Steal kill and destroy and so he tries to rob you and me of what God has already provided if he can get us to not believe there there is no ability for us to receive if if we become if we fall prey to the lies of the enemy then we begin to live in the deception that he wants us to live in and we've learned where there's deception there's loss 
And so we've been, we've been learning about this from first, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. This was our, our foundational scripture. The Apostle Paul was speaking about things that, that he feared were, were going to be going on with the Corinthians. And he said, I fear somehow you're, that somehow you're pure and undivided devotion. So he was concerned about their devotion that was pure and undivided. If something's pure, uh, what does that mean? No contamination. There's nothing else there. It's all uh, homogeneous uh, material. If it's pure gold, what else is in there? Nothing. It's gold. And so in our pure devotion, it means our devotion doesn't have any splinter devotions. All right? And it's, it reinforces that and says undivided devotion to Christ. He was concerned that it would be corrupted even as Eve was deceived. So the Apostle Paul says, there's a concern I have that your devotion, your focused, undivided, pure devotion to Christ would be corrupted. If something's corrupted, it, it, there's an entrance of something else into it, okay? And, and it was through deception. Deception caused the corruption that defiled the devotion, that divided the devotion. And so today, we're, we're, we're learning about this. But my question to you this morning is this. Who are you really devoted to? Um, <clears throat> there was a, a, a movie, there was a, a play. Uh, it was called Grease. And maybe you know it, maybe you don't. But there was a song that was sung, and, and it was about devotion. And I'm not going to sing it, and you ought to be happy for that. Uh, you wouldn't recognize it anyways if I sang it. But devotion, who or what are you devoted to? And, and again, none of us are perfect, so our devotion is not going to be completely pure. When we get to heaven, everything is going to be pure, right? But until we get there, we live in a very impure world, right? A corrupted world. And so our devotion won't be as pure as it will be one day. It should be ever increasing, our devotion to Christ. You know, more pure than ever before. More focused. Uh, less divided than ever before. But who are you really devoted to? Who is your devotion first to? And I know we're in church, so the answer has to be Jesus. Right? Right? But it's not what the answer should be. There has to be a reality check for all of us, and we have to determine what is it really. And, and that word devotion means strong love, loyalty, and passion for something or someone. Who, who do you love the most? Who are you most loyal to, and who are you most passionate about? My wife and I were sitting on the couch, and, and by the way, Debbie's not here because she's been down with our our. Uh, grandchildren in Atlanta came home and she's been quarantined so uh, she'll be back next week which I'm real glad for but she's been watching online um, but I, we were sitting and and watching a program and I said you know honey I love you so much I tell her that all the time because it's always on my heart I think about it all the time it's just part of what kind of rolls around in me so I tell her and and um, somehow in the show it was talking about um, what's most important? I said, you are the second most important person in my life. And you know what? She didn't look at me and wonder. She knew. 
She knew, and that's my goal, but I don't always live that out. You know, I want to. I want to live out a, a pure and undivided devotion to Christ, but there is a battle going on every day for who we're devoted to, who we're passionate about, who we're loyal to, who we really love. And, and one of the first things that, that uh, battles for our devotion, our love, our passion, our loyalty is us. We want to take care of us. And, and so Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. He very clearly said, you can't be first anymore. And for all of us, that seems really difficult, but it's the way to life. It's unfamiliar to us. But now is the time for us to learn this because this is the way it's going to be for eternity in heaven. We're not going to be first. We're not going to be looking out after ourselves. And really, we're supposed to be experiencing heaven on earth right here. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? on earth as it is in heaven and so we should be this should be the time we're practicing for heaven and the reason why we're practicing for heaven is because we want everybody else who's not headed there to see what it's going to be like so they can turn around and head that direction we don't have to push anybody into heaven if they really see what heaven is like if they really see what a relationship with god is like it's not it's not religious it's not about routines and rituals it's about relationship. It's about a vibrant relationship that we have with God every day. It's real. It's as real as any relationship you and I have with any human being. But it's actually more real because God's always been there. Before anybody else was there, God was always there and God will always be there. He's faithful. We sang about his faithfulness, but he really is faithful. But we, we struggle in our devotion. And we have to really take stock of who are we devoted to. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 uh, and 13. We're going to look at verse 12 in the Amplified and 13 in the New Living Translation. And, and the Apostle Paul, again, he's writing to the Hebrews and he's, he's concerned. He says, therefore, beware, beware. You know, it again is a warning, but he says, therefore, we know when there's a therefore, we got to find out why it's there, right? And we're not going to go back, but in the preceding verses, he's talking about to the, the Hebrews, don't harden your heart towards God. Don't become hard towards God. When we become hard towards somebody, what does that mean? Well, there's unforgiveness. We kind of steal ourselves and wall ourselves off from that person. We don't want to be affected or influenced by them. We don't have one, want to have a lot of dealings with them. And so the Apostle Paul was saying, don't harden your hearts. But isn't that the very thing that as you read in the Old Testament about what Israel did, God's chosen people, they hardened their hearts towards God. And it became very difficult. God doesn't have for this to be difficult. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. We're going to have things that come to us in this world that are going to be challenging, but there should be always an abundance of grace that God has for us that we're able to overcome. We come through it, and we come through it better and stronger than ever before. That's God's plan for us. 
that we're overwhelmingly more than conquerors. But he says, beware, brethren, take care lest there be in any of you a wicked, unbelieving heart which refuses to cleave to, trust in, and rely on him. Who's the him? Right, on the Lord. Refuse to rely on, trust in, and cleave to. Now, cleave is kind of a weird word, you know. But it means to be connected with, continuously, consistently connected with. And I want you to know, God is continuously connected to you. He's so much so, he came to make his residence in you. You know, he, he can't do more. But how many of you know somebody can be right there with you and you and I can ignore them? Come on, help me out this morning. Right? We can ignore them. And unfortunately, that's what happens in a lot of our lives and a lot of the situations in our lives as Christians. We're doing life. God's right there. God's present. God's in residence. God's desiring to be involved and invested in imparting to us what only he can, which is abundant life. And yet, he won't force it on us. And so we're doing all that we're doing. And God's, God's I, sometimes I get this picture in my mind of God he's like you know he's just waiting to help he's waiting to be invited to be involved because he loves us too much to force himself even though what he is and what he does is the best he won't force that on us and so that's where we have to be willing and recognizing we need to receive so that we can experience what God has, and then in the overflow, the abundant life, we can overflow into other people's lives, and they can begin to experience what God has. So they refuse to cleave, to trust and rely on him, leading you in a way to turn away and desert and stand aloof from the living God. Now, to turn away, desert and stand aloof to God, isn't that a crazy thing? Some of you are like, I don't know. Okay, I'll help you. It's a crazy thing. He is your greatest ally. He, he is able to do more for you than you can for yourself or everybody you know all together can do for you. And yet we stand aloof. We, we, we distance ourselves. We stand back. And then it says, you must warn each other every day. Now, Paul's warning them. And then, then he says to them, you guys got to warn each other every day. While it's still today that none of you will become, will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. See, that's what sin does. Sin causes us to be hardened against God. We develop calluses in our spirit. We, we become hard of hearing towards God. We become resistant to God. And whenever we're resistant to God, we're resisting the one who wants to help us more than anyone else can. And, and doesn't that sound crazy? If, if we're resistant to the person who wants to and can do more in our lives than anybody else, that's crazy. But that's deception. That's deception, and sin is always associated with deception because sin promises everything and delivers next to nothing, except you can count on it delivering death. 
And so that's where uh, we, we see that there's deception, and that robs us of devotion. And where there's deception, there's loss. And where there's devotion, there's gain. And so it's robbing us of the gain that God has for us, but nobody made us do it but us. And that's why we have to be aware of it. And many times we aren't. The problem with deception is it's deceptive. And the worst kind of deception is self-deception. And when we're self-deceived, we, don't even, we aren't even aware of it and don't believe it. And we've got to trust somebody beyond ourselves. That's why it's so important that even though we're socially distanced and, and you know, we, we take all the precautions we need to take, we still need to be connected. We, we, we need to be socially distanced, but we need to be Christ-connected. It's absolutely important because in this world, if we're not connected to Christ and connected to one another, we're easy pickings. You know what I mean when I say easy pickings? Yeah. Um, then, um, you know, we, it's, it's so important that we realize that because that's where we can't, can't afford the deception. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 in the Amplified, it says this. And again, it's speaking. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the Colossians about Christ. He also is the head of his body, the church. Now, if, if, if your body didn't have its head, what would happen? I know, it's a stupid question. I'm just asking you. Help me, help me this morning, please. Jackson, you're up in front. I would have thought this week you might have ducked back a little bit, but you're up here. Again, thank you for last week for your help for me in both services. You didn't even know you helped me in the second service. You're up here again. Question of questions. If, if somebody took my head off, what would happen with my body? Die. That's right. Nothing good, right? Jackson's going to be a doctor. He's going to be something great because he already is. But that's what God has for all of us. And so if the head's cut off, the body ceases to live. If somehow we allow ourselves to be separated from the head, our head, not this thing, our head, Jesus, we cease to live. Anything that, that separates us causes a division in our devotion to Christ not only robs us, it causes us to cease to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And the only one that makes that choice, whether we're separated or not, is us. In Romans chapter 8, it says nothing can separate us from the love of God. So nothing out there can do it, but we can choose. To allow ourselves to be separated because deception causes us to experience loss. We're, we're deceived when we think whatever we need can be found in anyone or anything else other than God. In his word, his spirit. And there's a battle every day for us. Every day we battle with questions of, you know, what are we going to choose? And many times we don't even consider what God has. We just make our decisions. That's a separation from our head. He's supposed to be involved in all of it. It goes on to say, he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he, it's, I think it's alone, he alone, I don't know why that's, that's that way, he alone in everything, he alone, who else 
is there room for? No one. He alone in everything, in every respect, might occupy the chief place, stand first and be preeminent. That word preeminent means to have first place in, in authority and influence. First place in authority and influence. Now, Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We proclaim Jesus is Lord. But I don't think we really recognize what the word Lord means. Because it's critical for us to live the life that God has for us. And, and understanding that he is Lord, our devotion is exclusive. Okay? Uh, it's exclusive to him. But he should have, he alone, in everything, in every respect, might have the preeminence. The first one in authority and influence in our life. That's why the Bible says pray about everything. Pray without ceasing. When we, we, through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make our requests known to God, the peace of God that passes all understanding guards our hearts and our minds. Why? Because we put him first. He has the preeminence. He is the first one we go to, no matter what. You, listen, you don't have to always be happy in God's presence. Read the Psalms. See how many Psalms people were not happy. Now, God doesn't want us to be constant complainers. But you know what? Sometimes you have to complain and you can complain to him. This is a real relationship. If, if you can't complain to God, then you have no right complaining to anybody else. Because here's the truth. There is no one can do anything about what you're complaining about like God can. And so whenever we complain to somebody else and we haven't, we haven't talked to God first, we're doing something that we don't want to do, we don't want the result of, and yet we, we feel a relief, and we talked a little bit about this last week, but we feel this relief because every time we speak this, you know who listens to you more than anybody else? You do. And when we complain, we reinforce that in ourselves. When we complain to God, the Bible says we're supposed to cast all our care upon him because Knowing God, he's not going to just let the complaint lay there. He's going to give you what you need to have hope and peace and joy. But he's got to have the preeminence. He's got to be the first one. Because if you go to him first, if I go to him first with my complaint, then I don't have to complain anymore because I've turned it over to him. How many of you know he's going to work it out for good? Okay, maybe you don't know. Romans 8.28 says... God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If we really love him, don't you want to talk to the one that you love, the one you know loves you the most, first about what's bugging you? But do we do that? You know, he, he's supposed to have the preeminence. The Bible says in him we move and live and move and have our being, but do we? We're supposed to. That's how we experience abundant life. When we have that devotion where we're devoted to him, we love him, 
we're loyal to him, we're passionate about him before anything else, then, then he's going to have an influence and an effect on our lives like no one else. And how many of you know his influence is only good and always good? Jesus said this in, in Luke chapter 6. It's not going to be up on your screens. Uh, verse 46, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? And that word Lord, you know, we, we, we say Jesus is Lord of all, but is he? It means supreme authority. It means master, and it means controller. If I call Jesus my Lord, I'm saying he's supreme authority in my life. He has the say in my life. He's my master. He's my controller. Now, when we hear that, our human history is one of, man, nobody's going to be Lord over me. Nobody's going to be my master. Nobody's going to be my controller. As, as kids would say in, when I was growing up, you're not the boss of me. But I want you to understand, he's not the boss of you to control you. He is the Lord of you to guide you into abundant life. And any choice other than his lordship, him having his way, is misguided off the path of abundant life. And that's where we get into sin. We miss the mark of God. Galatians 2.20 and there's a lot I've got to cover, and I've got to get through it today. But Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. In him, I have shared his crucifixion. It's no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to, reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is how we're supposed to live. But there's room for all of us to improve. You know, it's not a lost cause. None of us are doing it perfect. But we should recognize that there is an adjustment we need to make. Because where we're off track, where we're not tracking with God, where we're not relying on him and trusting in him, we're, we're becoming hardened to him. We're, we're deceived and we're experiencing loss instead of the gain God intended. And we're the ones that are choosing it. And so we, we are deceiving ourselves, and we need to get back on track. Because God is the one that does it all right and best. And we're going to go to a whole psalm, Psalm 146, verse 1 through 10. We're going to read it in the New Living Translation. But I want you to see this. See what, who God is and what he does. In psalm, it's Psalm 146. Now, Sorry about that. I'll, I'll just read it from mine. Um, it says, let me, let me get it in my uh, iPad. Talks amongst yourselves. This thing is not wanting to do. <laughs> there it goes. All right. Okay. 
It says, praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. As long as I live in my dying breath, why are we praising the Lord? Because he's good. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. But we're praising who? The Lord. The Lord. The one who is in supreme authority. He is our master and our controller. It goes on to say, uh, verse 3, and get this. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. Now, folks, right now, that goes contrary to everything that we have thought. If I can just get somebody on my side that has more power. Well, listen. Is there anybody that has more power than God? Right. There's no human being that can compare to God. And that's why we can't look. We can't look to so-called powerful people or wise people or uh, experienced people. We, we are aware. We receive what they have to, to process in relationship to God. There's only one who is the most powerful, the most knowledgeable, and that's God. So it, it, it tells us that don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. We've got an election coming. Now, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or independent. Do you know that the president's going to be elected in nine days? All right. We may not know the outcome for a while, but somebody's going to be president. Just like somebody was president before, and somebody will be president in the future. Different. But there is only one eternal ruler, and that's God. And that's why you can't put your... Listen, you need to be aware and, and trust, and we're going to go through this real quickly at the end. But you need to vote. But don't put your confidence in that human being, that powerful human being, because there's somebody more powerful. Because if, if we're putting our trust in people that seem powerful, we're setting our sights way too low, and it's too easy to be disappointed by them. Because they're not perfect. There's no politician that's perfect. You know why? Because there's no human being that's perfect. There's only one perfect, and he should be the one we look to above all things and all people. It says in verse 4, and when they breathe their last breath, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who, who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Joyful. Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we need, if we need anything in these days, we need strength. Strength to be able to continue to hold fast our hope, to walk in love and in peace and in joy. We need strength, but it comes because of joy, because our, our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. Our trust is in the Lord. It goes on to say in verse 6, He made heaven and earth, the seas, and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. Every promise. If you can find a promise and you bring it to God... He's bound to keep it. He watches over his word to perform it. That's what the scripture says. And the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. It says he gives justice to the oppressed. There's all sorts of oppression going on in our society. And there are all sorts of ways people are trying to eradicate it. But I'm going to tell you this right now. There is no one 
No individual, no organization that will eradicate oppression except for God. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners. He cares for the orphans and the widows. Now, when it says orphans and widows, the reason why it says orphans and widows, because in that day, they were the lowest of the lows. They were the most overlooked, underserved people in all society. He doesn't ever overlook anybody. No one is beyond his care and his concern. But we've got to look to him because he's not going to force his way on us. The, the Lord will reign forever. He will be your God throughout the generations. Praise the Lord. So this is, and this week I would ask you to go to Psalm, Psalm 146, verse 1 through 10. Look at it in the New Living Translation and see what God does. There's no one that will do for you and me what God does. And so we, we look to him. We need to be devoted to him. And like I said, in nine days, you and I should be going to the polls. Listen, in September 2019, CBN Research reported that 15 million Christians that were registered to vote, didn't vote. And recently, and I'm not against this person, but I have to, have to speak out and say, if you're being told you shouldn't vote, you're being robbed. And I'm not saying you need to vote for, for uh, President Trump or former Vice President Biden. I'm telling you this. You need to be directed by God, not by what you feel. If your devotion and my devotion is to Christ first, then he's the one that has the greatest influence on us. Him, his spirit, his word. And you need to pray. Just as Jeremy shared with you that we heard from Franklin Graham, he was at, at return in Washington, D.C. And, and he's again vocalized because he has a platform to be able to speak, I believe, to the nations because he's invested in the nations. That we need to fast and pray. We need to be praying from now until the election. We need to be praying. But listen, don't pray for your candidate. Pray for God's will. Well, God's will is obviously... No, it's not obvious. Listen. It is not obvious. It is an assumption that we make that this person ought to be in. I'm going to tell you something. You don't know. You make a judgment by all sorts of natural things. But I want you to know throughout history, God's used godly people and ungodly people. And some people say don't vote because neither of them are godly. That's true. Neither of them are totally devoted to God, but neither are you. Neither am I. But we need to vote. And so I'm telling you right now, 
the first thing you need to do as a Christian, every one of us that are registered to vote, you need to vote. And, and it's not about us. If Jesus is our Lord, if we're devoted to him, our vote should reflect who is guiding us. And so we need to know the platforms and the people that are looking to be elected and how that measures up with the Bible. Yeah, it's work. You can't believe everything out there. So take what you hear and go to the Bible and say, okay, how does this line up? And then pray. Pray that God would direct you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 in the Passion Translation says this. Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions, understanding, any of that. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. But listen, one of the reasons why we don't hear from God, God doesn't guide us, is because we're not really open to hearing. This is an area of deception in our lives. We believe we're really open. But if God had said something or directed us to do something that didn't make sense to us, would we tend to disregard it? Because if we would tend to disregard it, God's not going to tell you. A lot of the reason why we don't hear, we don't get guidance from God is because we're not really open to anything God would direct us in. Because the moment God told us and he knew we weren't open, he would put us in a place of rebellion. And the Bible says rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. And, and please, 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 please understand, I, I get misunderstood a lot. And it's mostly in this area where people say, well, you know, you're really angry. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. Please understand, I am not angry with anyone or any of you. I am passionate. I want more than anything else, all of us. To come to the place where we are really devoted to God. That we're really wanting God's will. Even though we may not understand it. Or we may not like it. But that's where the deception is. If I don't like what God's directing me to do. I'm deceived because what God's directing me to do is the best. It's the best. And I don't know how to do this any other way. I, I, I really don't. I'm trying my best to do what God wants the way God wants it. And. And, and I'm trusting he's big enough to make up the difference when I blow it. The second thing is, first thing is vote. But vote directed by God. Be guided by God. By your devotion to God. Second thing is, never forget that God is bigger than this election. You know, some people, they're, they're like, oh my gosh, if this person gets elected, I don't know what's going to happen. Really? Are you really serious as a Christian that you're wringing your hands? You're so concerned that if some human being gets elected, it blows God's plan? Deception. There is only one eternal leader. Presidents have been elected. Kings have come and gone. Dictators have come and gone. Presidents will be elected, but there is one that stays, of course, all the time. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is Jesus. And we don't have to be afraid. God alone has the only perfect and enduring plan that never changes. 
no matter who is elected, we can have hope because our trust and faith is in the Lord. Psalms 20, verse 7. Do we have that? We don't have that. Okay. All right. Psalms 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. In the name of the Lord our God. Number three. No matter what happens, we need to always. How often? Always. With everyone. With who? So always with everyone, no matter what happens, we need to walk in love. We need to walk in love. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new command I give, that's the Lord gives to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. We're supposed to love one another as he loved us. Folks, when God loved you, when God loved me, we were enemies. Enemies. And sometimes we think these people that don't think the way we do are enemies. Listen, there are going to be people that don't think like you think. And just because you think they're wrong doesn't make them wrong. And even if they are wrong, it doesn't decrease their value. There should always be love and respect. Respect for the fact that that human being that you don't agree with was made in the image of God. How many of you want people to respect you, show you some respect? Every one of us does. And that requires us starting. We need to start with respect. We may not agree, but we can still love them and choose to give respect to them. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. And finally, no matter how this election or any other turns out, Jesus is still Lord. His plan is still in place. Just because maybe the person that you didn't want to be elected gets elected... God's plan is still going on. It didn't take God by surprise. Hebrews 12, 2. Do we have that? Very good. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. The exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. Now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So how did he do it? How did Jesus do it the way you and I are supposed to do it? Keeping our eyes focused. Focused on what? On Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And how did Jesus do it? He kept his eyes focused. On what? On the Father. He did nothing other than the Father's will. That meant he was attentive to receiving what the Father wanted and then doing what the Father directed. Folks, today, at the election, after the election, every day, we need to be about our Father's business. You and I are here. After we give our lives to the Lord, we're still here because God has for us to be a witness. Not about what we think is right, but for Him. For Him who so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
That's how precious human beings are to God. Human beings that are dead in their trespasses and sins. Human beings that are hardening their hearts towards him. Human beings that are walking in alliance with the enemy. That's how much he loves them. It's how much he loved you. It's how much he loved me. And that's where we, we should do no less. If we've been loved that way, we need to love that way. Amen? The Bible says don't be overcome by evil. Push back. Shove them. Fight against them. No. It says overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Don't give what you get. Give what you've received from God and turn the tide. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. We, we, we have opportunities every day we draw breath. Opportunities to affect and influence people around us. And we are. We're affecting everyone around us, whether we do it intentionally or unintentionally. And we should be intentional about our influence, our impact on people around us. It should be because the Lord Jesus Christ, he is Lord. He is the supreme authority in our lives. He is our master. He is the one that controls and directs and guides and governs our lives. And because he's having his way in our lives, the influence that we have in other people's lives is godly, not ungodly. Right now, it's, it's, it's so scary to watch Christians act as if they're not saved. Not walking in love. Not, not, not showing respect and care and honor for other people. But just reactionary. And if we who are saved don't act the way we should, how can we ever expect anything else to change? As I prepared this message, I was very aware and very convicted that there, there has to be more change in my life. And I'm just offering this up to you today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're aware that there needs to be change in your life, let God know. And then follow through and let him have his way later today, tomorrow, the next day. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for all of us that you would help us, help us recognize where the deception is operating in our life and where our devotion is divided. Help us to be fully devoted to you. Help us to live in the lordship of you that the life, the abundant life that you have planned, per, prepared and provided for us to walk in would be experienced by us and through us to those around us. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're not looking for perfection, but you are looking for progress. And so, Father, as, as we hear what your word says and the role and the place you're supposed to have, the preeminent role first in authority and influence in our lives, Father, help us recognize where you're not and make that adjustment. And we thank you for the results. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, would you stand? Again, please uh, consider taking time today to pray. And if you can't pray today, you know, for whatever reason, 
be praying between now and the election and be praying God's will. And if you have a prayer language, pray in the Spirit. That's the perfect will of God. Pray that who God has to be elected, not who you have to be elected, would be elected. And then vote. Please vote. Please take the time. Make the effort to vote. Remember, there's a new members class. 